The following podcast is sponsored by Structure Tech. Let me just note, there was no preparedness for this. <laughs> yes, and, and that's where the best conversations come from. Like, we're just going to lay bare our questions and curiosities to a building scientist and an expert inspector and see if we get to the right answer. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. As always, your three-legged stool coming to you from the Northland, talking all things houses, home inspections, and anything else that's rattling around in our heads. Not in our minds. My mind's an empty chasm. It's rattling around in our heads. Welcome today. Important (laughs) distinction. Welcome. Today, we are going to do kind of a uh, an open quiz, the building scientist nerd. And, and this isn't really a quiz. It's more me explaining a couple things that came up in building of my cabin that I want to ask Tessa about. And Ruben, I'm going to ask you too. So don't feel don't feel left out in this conversation. Let me but, just note, there was no preparedness for this. <laughs> yes. And, and that's where the best conversations come from. Like, we're just going to lay bare our questions and curiosities to a building scientist and an expert inspector and see if we get to the right answer. It'd be fun. <laughs> I might agree with you at the end. Maybe not. It just depends on how much money you're going to cost me. Conversations. <laughs> okay. So our fun little cabin up North is still under construction and everything's going well. I love it. I love my contractor. I love the fact that I get to run up there periodically and act like I'm important, you know, bring some materials or something like that. But I came across something I was not aware of. And we're at the finishing the interior wall stage. And in our bathrooms, we have a, we have a male and a female bathroom, just like at camp. So the girls <laughs> only get to get one spot and the guys get to be dirty in a different one. Wait a minute. Smart. You've got a male and a female bathroom. Yes. Okay. Yes. Tell me, please, Bill, tell me you put a urinal in the men's bathroom. (laughs) Well, if you believe a toilet's a urinal, yes. Not at all. Oh, I'm so disappointed. You know I had a urinal in my last house, right? (laughs) Yes. There are some things that will not be sold in, in my house, and a urinal is one of them. Listen, there's a toilet, there's a sink, and there's a bathtub. If the three of those aren't good enough for, you know, for relief, then you're just out of luck. <laughs> I don't know Not the bathtub. Hey guys, come on in. There's room bathroom. for two more. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> we have gone off the highway into the ditch and I'm, I'm going to get the car back up on the road. No, no, Bill. I'm sorry. No, we got to, we got to stay on this topic. I'm telling you. <laughs> For anybody who has the space and the gumption, put a urinal in your house. You'll be so glad you did it. I think that's the only thing that really sold my house. The people who bought it, I heard. As soon as the guy saw the urinal in the basement, he was like, oh, this is the house for me. I am sold. I can't sing the praises high enough to have one in your own house. It's just fantastic. All right, I'm done. you installed? Did you personally install that? I did. I found it on Home Depot. I got the urinal. And, you know, it's not much. It's, it was like a hundred bucks. And then you get a flush a meter. And that was another hundred bucks or something. And boom, not a big deal. 
that's because there's no walls. There's nothing surrounding it. It was just right out in the open, right? You are completely right, Bill. It okay. was right out in the open. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh. The expense of a bathroom <laughs> does come with the finishes. Okay. I mean, tile walls and all that other sort of yeah. stuff that, that raises the cost of that urinal significantly. Well, my point is that you're going to have a bathroom already. And while you're in the design phase, just design it on in there. Mm. And, you know, for, for this house, this is an unfinished basement, but that's where my office was. So I'd spend a lot of time down there and it was just so nice not having to run upstairs all the time. But side note, you know what? I'm not done waxing on urinals, Bill. One of the <laughs> nicest houses we ever looked at, I, I won't say the name, but it was this kind of mogul in Minnesota who ended up having to go to jail because he pulled some uh, crazy stunts with other people's money. I think it was around 2008, 2009, something like that. And it was, it was one of the craziest houses I've ever inspected. And there was a urinal in every single bathroom. Okay, I'm done. All right. Go on, Bill. Sorry. All right. So we are now at the phase where we're going to finish out the bathroom and we have tubs that we've reclaimed. So we've got cast iron tubs from probably 1910 in our, in the cabin, which is super, super cool. They were really heavy. And my friend Charlie and I had this great adventure where we were going up to Northern Wisconsin and get a, a free tub. And anyway, I digress, but my contractor called me and said, what do you want to put on the walls in the surround by the, the tub? And I was like, I didn't even know this was a question. I just assumed we were going to, I told him we were going to do a tiled surround and I assumed it would just be Dura Rock. And you put some Dura Rock up and you put your tile on your Dura Rock and everything would be fantastic. Well, he told me that's not allowable anymore or it's not acceptable. And he said, cause Dura Rock or cement board, let's, I don't want to put uh, I don't really want to throw Dura Rock under the bus here. Cement board, because it's it's not waterproof, you can get, if you've got lots of grout joints, you can get moisture that'll pass through the grout joints and you can get some moisture that can pass all the way through and rot out the studs behind it. And I thought this would take like 400 years for this to actually happen, but it's a real thing. Did Ruben, did you know that you're not supposed to use this cement board behind tiled surrounds anymore? Yeah. Yeah. I did hear about that. And I can't remember when that code change happened or which code it was. I, I feel like I'm super rusty now. You see, we did not rehearse this ahead of time. <laughs> I can't remember if it's a building code or a plumbing code change. I think it's a building code change, but, and I, I want to say it happened around five years ago or something like that. So what are okay. you supposed to use now? Well, you're supposed to use some sort of waterproof board or a membrane, you thin set and then you put this membrane down and then you, mm -hmm. you seal it all up that way. So I ended up, I ended up finding this product. That's like a, a, a waterproof foam board, super light, but it's got this like concrete skim over the top of it. Mm -hmm. And there's a local distribution company in the twin cities that I've never heard of before. Hank's specialties. I didn't even know this was a store and they had this product called weedy board W E D I. And apparently it's waterproof and it'll work for my application just fine. Otherwise, there's this membrane called Curdy, K-E-R-D-I. I believe it's sold at the big box stores. And that's that's the membrane that you can put down and use like a thin set, 
you trawl on this thin set and then you put this membrane down and then it dries and then you can fix your tiles to the top of that. But yeah, it was, it was like hmm. these, these products tested the look on your face tells me you had no idea that this was even a thing. Nope. I had no idea. <laughs> they don't teach this in, in, in school about you guys are the water control people at the building science building. You know, that is above my pay grade. I was unaware of that. And, you know, I've always thought about the moisture that that moves through the grout and then back into the wall. But I figured with the cement board back there, it wasn't a huge issue. But for it to be a change in the code, they must have had enough problems with that, you would think. Have either of you ever seen a situation when you were inspecting a house and there was like an open closet behind a tiled shower where you could see cement board? that you saw water damage of any sort? Can't say I have. No. No. I mean, I, I have seen in older homes, like before they use cement board where the, you know, the tile is in really bad shape and the grout is cracked and missing where water will drip back down. But I can't say I've seen a house that's like, you know, in the last 30 years, that's had problems with that. But then well, again, I'm, I'm not, we're not ripping open tiled you know, walls to look. What I found when I was started messing around looking for this membrane or these, this different type of this, this weedy board, there's like a whole industry that I was not aware of. These curbs that are made out of foam that are wrapped in the membranes so that they're super strong, lightweight, and don't absorb water. Because I'm sure Ruben, you've seen in the past where a plumber or, or a contractor will actually pour out of cement, the the curb and then put the membrane underneath and then, you know, pour a pan, a shower pan made out of cement. Have you ever been a part of a project? Like I don't, that? I don't think so. No. Oh, interesting. I've seen that a few times, especially in the city. Sometimes people will want to put a shower in the basement and it doesn't fit the two by three or whatever the standard is. So they just build their own curb and they'll pour it out of concrete. But yeah, like the little boxes that you, the alcoves that you would put in a, a tiled shower, they're made yeah. of this like membrane, these, it, it, you can go buy these boxes. I had no idea because why would I, I haven't installed a shower for ever and now I need to. So it's, <laughs> it's the funny, the little things that you, you come across that seem to make an impression as a home inspector, Ruben, you're never going to call out cement board on the backside of a tiled shower as being a problem. Well, if I did, what would my recommendation be? Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> Rip be, it out. Okay. Redo uh, it. <laughs> yeah. You've got, you've got Duroc or cement board behind the tiles and you have a higher potential for water to seep into this material and cause damage. Therefore, tear it all out and redo it. And I realize it's been fine for the last 20 years. Yeah. Tear it all out and redo it. Like that, that's crazy. I would never do that in my own house. I'm sure the tiled shower in my basement has that exact same setup today. And what am I going to do about it? Nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell my clients to do anything either. Yeah, I know. I just feel like sometimes we have these, these solutions that are looking for a problem. And I'm not saying that these manufacturers did this before there was a need exactly the opposite of what I'm saying, but it was just one of those things that I had no idea. Never, never even considered it moving forward. I should give you guys an update. We've talked about the exterior walls and, and the wall finishes in the cabin. Yeah, All what did you sh- end up doing? What yeah. did you end up putting on the ceiling and the walls? So I did put drywall on the ceiling. Okay. Good. And then I covered it with a veneer of beadboard. 
Nice. And so that is actually in panels. So those are four by eight panels that are glued and nailed. So there's not as many holes as you would think, like if you were just nailing it up. Yeah. And that was really funny. The contract had a hard time working with the material because after I, I stained it and varnished it, it kind of began to twist and warp a little bit. And I don't, I don't know why that is, but that the beadboard, it gets pretty thin at areas where the, the grooves are cut. And he was like, this stuff is a, this stuff is a pain to work with. Just saying. Mm. Was it warping? Cause it was starting to dry out. Like had you yes. had it been in a warm, dry cabin long enough that it was starting to shrink and contort? Yeah, totally. That's exactly what it was. And, you know, when you pick it up from the lumber yard, it's still wet. I don't know what the moisture content is. It, yeah. it's, well, it's wetter than it was when they installed it. So mm-hmm. it moved around a little bit. Let me and ask then, you, did, did you do all six sides of every board? It's oh. a sheet of plywood. No. Just asking. Okay. Am I supposed to? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe I built my own table several years ago, kitchen table, and it's super fancy. It's got like this herringbone pattern for the tabletop. I mean, so many cuts, so much time. And all I did was I I stained everything when it was all done being put together. You know, I sanded it all down, make it totally flat and then stained it. And it didn't weather well. It was like some of the pieces seemed to take on water and others lost water and they all kind of warped. So after about six months, it wasn't a flat table anymore. Some were thicker, mm-hmm. some weren't. And I, I decided to do a little bit of research about how I should have done it later on. Mm-hmm. And all the advice was, you need to stain all six sides of every board if you want it to stay flat. Now That makes with, a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah, and now yeah. with your beadboard, I mean, being plywood and being so flat, I don't think you're going to have it, the same issues that I did, but... I don't know. Just, just a thought. Yeah. We're going to see, I'm, I'm not worried about it in the least. It's uh, it's all up there now. It's flat and looks good. And I'm happy with it. Good. The walls, the walls are five and a half inch wide shiplap, all of them, exterior, interior. Sweet. Every, yeah. Everything with wow. the exception that the tiled surround is, uh, is shiplap. And is uh, that just nailed right onto the studs over correct. you've got poly behind yep. it? Yep. So okay. I did not go with drywall, then a layer of beadboard or uh, shiplap. I just went, they just put the shiplap right to the studs, which is not a common, I mean, it's just like tongue and groove or whatever they use up north. So, all right. So Bill, I got, I got a quick question about this because I know that when you have interior load bearing walls, you need something to prevent those studs from moving all over the place from bowing. And there's a few ways you can do it. One is you put in blocking. I think the the technical term for this is nogging. There's your word of the day. N-O-G-G-I-N-G, nogging. I just call it blocking. It's it's just little pieces of two by sixes cut to fit in between the the wall studs. And it kind of keeps everything from bowing in the middle. That's one option. Another is you can install drywall to the walls. And all those screws in the drywall are going to hold the studs where they need to be. So I'm wondering... Is there or was there any type of similar concern? Because I feel like the stuff you put on the walls, what what was it? Uh, bead? Shiplap? Shiplap, yeah. yeah. It feels like that's not going to provide the same rigidity to your wall that drywall would. So how, how did you address this? 
Well, I would imagine <laughs> it's going to provide a way more rigidity because first of all, it's almost three quarter inch thick made of pine. It's like okay. pine boards and that have a nail in them because they're five and a half inches. There's whatever to the ceiling, a lot of boards. There's a lot of nails in that wall. I can't imagine that wall moving in the slightest. Okay. But there is nogging in the walls too. Ah, so okay. we are, we are double. It's a really double strong protected. wall. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if we needed more nails, but it's just like sheathing on the exterior of an old house where they had those 12 inch sheathing boards, this would be the exact same thing, except on the interior. Well, I, I guess it depends on how you fastened it too. I mean, I know I put some of that shiplap up and I used, I think 18 gauge nails, like really small finishing nails to keep it all up. Mm-hmm. And the nails went in a really thin spot. So mm-hmm. it was really concealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know how yours went up? With some sort of nail, the head is countersunk. So it, it was a finished nailer. I don't know what they do, but okay. I'm sure it's the same nail that they use for putting up tongue and groove on an exterior or interior wall. So, okay. But there is the nogging in there too. So I'm not, I'm not terribly concerned about it. If it moves, that's just God telling me that wall needed to move for some reason. (laughs) I'm going to roll with it. There's only so much I can prevent. Yeah. Well, what kind of insulation did you add in the exterior walls in the attic? Cause I know you were talking about closed cell spray foam, but did you end up doing that or something else? No, we didn't, we didn't use any spray foam except for on the rim. It, um, they, they spray filled the rim. Otherwise, it's just normal fiberglass in the walls or whatever the latest and greatest configuration of, of insulation is for a six inch wall. And then it's fiberglass in the attic. So gotcha. poly, they okay. sealed everything up and then they sealed all the, you know, I'm sure they went through a few cans of that spray foam where all the wires passed through the studs mm-hmm. up into the attic. And then they, they filled it with insulation. Great. Guess what I did not do? What? I did what? not go in there and inspect the depth, nor will I. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. Well, I have no reason to feel like I need to because I have complete trust in my guys up there. I'm telling you, they measure three times and cut once. So, no. And their insulation contractors do too, huh? They do it With all. the same guy? It's the same, same guy. People? Interesting. Yes. Okay. Well, right. and the fact that you saw some spray foam cans... For attic, you know, bypasses. That's encouraging. Dave is amazing. He's he's said this to me several different times. He's like, Bill, I got to warranty this thing. So I'm taking responsibility for how this stuff goes in. And mm-hmm. I watch over this. I know what my guys do. I know how we complete jobs. I'm not worried. He's not worried. I'm not worried. He's probably so sick of me saying this to him when he asked me a question. I'm like, well, Dave, what, what would you do? And then he tells me and I said, well, I think that's what we should do. And I I trust you, Dave. I trust you. I trust your judgment. And then we just go on about our business. So no, that's great. That's great. You've got a a builder that you can trust and has experience. Well, this is what I find interesting about building projects. How many people do you know by the time they're done with building their building they just want their contractors out of their life as quickly as possible. Like oh, they're they're tired of dealing with yeah. them. And there's been too many change orders. There's been too many of this, too much of that. Anything that's been changed on this project has been because of me. And so I can't complain about, you know, the delays. 
they're right here, right on me. Even in 2021 with materials and all kinds of other stuff, I just had some indecision moments. And so I've got nothing. I, I can't complain about my contractor at all. He could probably complain about me a lot, but I can't do the other way around. He hasn't fired you yet though. So that's good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, I, I can't say that for my neighbor <laughs> who's, been, who's been building his, what do you call that when you zip the top off and then you rebuild the second floor? Pop the top. Right? Like a pop top. Yeah. So a couple houses down that happened and they've been going at this project forever. And you can just see the frustration on, and the contractors are frustrated. The owners are frustrated. There was materials stuff. And then there was other stuff. And I just, Ugh. it's one of those things. I, okay. It might be too soon because it's right in the middle of it, but I have a family member who has that going on right now where there was a, there was some hiccup with the permit and zoning setbacks and one too many walls got taken down when they were redoing this. And the city came in and said, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 you can't do this. You're uh, once you've taken down that last wall, that was all damaged and rotted. Now it's new construction. You need to, you need to change the footprint of the foundation and like, and this is after all of the material had already been delivered and it's been sitting out in the front yard for, I don't know, three months, four months, five months. I mean, it's like, it oh, is no. wild. And they ended up like appealing the decision. They, they filed some type of something or another with city hall. They got turned down. Then they filed an appeal and they won. And now they're being oh, able God. to proceed with the project. But I mean, it's just, what a nightmare. And they're not living there, of course, because there's really just about no house left right now, but do tell what city, I mean, you don't have to give any, I don't, I don't even want to share what city this is. I don't want to share any details because I didn't ask permission to share anything. Well, that is, I mean, there's a fine line between like existing and then a new construction. And if it's just, you know, the matter of one wall, one extra wall coming down, that has got to be just so that's just so frustrating. Having to go yeah. through that whole process. Yeah. Wow. Tessa, I have another question for you about closed cell spray foam. Yeah, shoot. Is it always and forever water resistant? Water resistant. Well, I, I don't know if I can answer that question. I'm not qualified, but I mean, in terms of like permeability, you know, different foams have different permeabilities. And so like a closed cell spray foam would be vapor impermeable. At a certain but how depth. does that differ from waterproof? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, if you've, uh, you know, you've, you've, uh, like you felt what closed cell spray foam feels like, right? Yeah. And if right. you poured water on it, it would just roll right off it. Right. And drip like right a duck's off back. It. Yeah. And I don't know. Does it stay like that forever? That's a good question. I you don't know. know. I, I can tell you that if, any, if anybody's seen this guy, his name's, and I might butcher the pronunciation of his last name. I think it's Matt Reisinger. Oh yeah. You yes. guys know who that is? Yeah, he's got some good videos. Oh yeah. I uh like you know, I, I do YouTube videos and I want to be him. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's really good. Yeah. He's yeah, he's amazing. He's so entertaining and he gets in there and he does this stuff. It's almost like Mythbuster-esque uh-huh. type of experiments. Yeah. And I just pulled it up on my screen as we were talking about it. And I remember there was one he did. The title of the YouTube video is water testing spray foam insulation. 
Ooh. And, you know, we're just doing this all off the cuff right now. But if I remember right, that spray foam, I mean, if you pour water on it, it's going to run off. But he had it like sitting in a pan of water or something. And then he he weighed it before and after, I think. And I, I might be butchering this. I saw this a few years ago, hmm. but it took on a lot of water. Like, Was it closed cell or was it open cell? Yeah, I don't remember. I'd say if you want the answer to your question, check out his 13, 14 minute video hmm. and you'll okay. get the answer. I'll do that. Okay, Tessa, here's why I'm asking, because yeah. I'm just wondering how this would hold up because the cabin is built on bedrock and there's no real good way to vapor seal that bedrock without stretching the material across. And it's just so imperfect. The The most perfect thing we could do would just spray it with closed cell spray foam. Then we would get the benefit of the insulation and the vapor barrier. And I'm just wondering how it'll hold up over time. And I should preface this question with, we are kind of at the top of a hill and then it goes down. And if anybody knows like bedrock, there's cracks and crevices all over the place. And obviously mm. water can run around and it, it goes to the lowest spot, but whatever, if you've ever driven around up North, you see water leaking out of the side of bedrock all the time. And so hydrostatic pressure, I mean, if we put this down, is it going to be a permanent solution or will you have to freshen it up at some point? So this is like a crawl space under the house. You're yeah. trying to seal out moisture and well potentially radon gases ruben who was the guy we had on who talked about radon and said that bedrock is one like one of the worst things uh that was joshua kerber with the minnesota department of health and i I remember that and i was like hmm well we're not going to be at the cabin all the time so maybe low levels of radon coming out of Mm -hmm. bedrock aren't the worst thing there's lots of different materials that you can use to try and you know seal out moisture and soil gases and all that stuff. And you're, it sounds like you're thinking about doing spray foam because of the unevenness of the rock bedrock underneath, but. Well, yeah. And selfishly, I want it to be a storage place too, because okay. if I can, I can scurry around on top of, you know, the spray foam, it's hard, it's durable. Mm-hmm. You know, I can throw a lawn chair or a canoe or something up in there and it's, it's not going to be a big deal, but if it's polyethylene and it's just stretched over these sharp jaggedy rocks, it's, going to be a vapor permeable, you know, vapor barrier by the time I'm done with it. So I, you know, I wonder if over time, if the way that you were mentioning that water running down the hill and potentially seeping up from the ground and then bedrock, if it can shift and move, if spray foam may not be a good investment, because it'll be expensive to, you know, cover the entire ground with it. And if you do have bulk water sitting in it, or on it or running through it and any movement of that rock, I would think that that would uh, probably not be the best use of your money. I probably, yeah, that bedrock isn't moving. I can promise you that moving. much. It, okay. Uh, yeah. I, I would lean towards doing some type of, you know, plastic material or something that you could put over that dirt, over the rock and tape, you know, all the seams and then just make sure you're not going in with any heavy boots walking <laughs> over it. Just like Ruben was asking if the walls, what if the walls rack? Um, if the bedrock moves, boy, I got bigger problems. So you're saying don't do it. Uh, Ruben, what would you recommend on that? I, I would go with something more like a pool liner or something really thick, a really thick membrane that some of those high-end 
crawl space and basement waterproofing companies install. Mm -hmm. And the idea is they, they put this down over the whole thing. And then you don't go in there with anything other than socks on and it is clean (laughs) and dry and gorgeous. I, I think that'd be the most cost-effective solution. I mean, if it's not, I can't imagine why they're all doing it. Well, you guys gotta be cheaper than spray foam. It's, It's gotta be. Probably. Okay. Now I'm not going to freak anybody out, but here's my big concern about just stretching a membrane. The one or two mice that find their way into this place, I feel like it's going to be New York City underneath this vapor barrier that I can't see through. They're going to just start building condos and high (laughs) skyscrapers. And the next thing I know, it'll be this this thriving community underneath bed liner, my my pool liner that's covering the, the bedrock. So... You tell your contractor you want no mice, no holes, buddy. (laughs) That's all. All right. (laughs) Well, and you know what? Mice can chew through, um, they can chew through spray foam too. But, you know, if they chew through the the pool liner, you can always tape back over it. This is true. This is true. This is, but we're kind of on the tail end of things here. So uh, I'm really excited. I'm not going to let you two up there because you're going to tell me all the things that I did wrong you inspectors but my my wife has been very clear you don't inspect your friends houses when you go to visit (laughs) you're not going to have any friends okay all right well then then we can reset she had to tell you that (laughs) (laughs) it's just a joke (laughs) i thought you had a story of like coming home from some a friend's house and she was mortified by something you said or did no no she's just joked with me beforehand like no whatever you do do not inspect their house when we go there. And yeah, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't comment on other people's houses. Keep my mouth shut. I try not yeah. to look up, you know, it's, it's habit as home inspectors. You go in, you're always yeah. looking up, you're looking oh, at yeah. the ceiling. It's like, nope, nope. We're not doing well, that. Yes. I, I definitely will be looking, but I will not, I, I don't say anything. My brain just, I can't help but think about building science things when I'm in a, in a structure, although I will not be communicating that with friends or family. Okay. Let's put a wrap on this episode by doing this. Tell me what is the worst thing you've seen in a friend's home that you literally bit a hole through your lip, trying not to talk to them about. That's easy. It was an, (laughs) all right. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to give away too much. I was at a house and I remember seeing a wood stove connected to the same vent as the furnace in a really bad way. It was just totally unsafe. And Mm. I pulled somebody else aside, not the homeowner, but I pulled somebody else aside. And I said, dude, this is really bad. This is not safe. Like someone needs to tell them this. And they kind of went, yeah, I suppose. And that (laughs) as much as what happened there and not a month later, their house burnt down because of that situation. So yeah, it was like, did I make the right decision or not? Should I have said something? I mean, thankfully, thank God, nobody got hurt. They weren't home. But there, there's my, uh, there's my, my moral dilemma. Wow. Well, I thought it was going to be something like entertaining. That's just straight up intense. That was bad. Yeah. Wow. For sure. Wow. Tessa, do you have any good stories like that? Well, you know, one thought came to mind. A friend of mine, I, they had a, they have an old house, 1900s stackstone foundation and i was in the basement briefly and looked over and noticed they had a federal pacific sablock panel on the foundation wall and i thought oh man 
I should probably say something, right? You know, I, I can't, I just, I can't not say something. So I did mention it to them. I said, you know, I, I noticed your electrical panel downstairs. It's, it's this uh, Federal Pacific and, you know, it's a really, it's a really dangerous panel and bad breakers and increased risk of fire. And safest thing is to replace that. I'll, you know, I'll send you some more information about it so you can read up on it and send them a, you know, link to the blogs that Ruben has written and everything about it. And I followed back up with them and asked them what, you know, if they did anything and what they thought about it. They're like, yeah, it's never been a problem this far. We'll be fine. <laughs> I thought you were going to say their house burned down because that was no. way more likely than the uh, situation well, that Ruben was explaining. Well, cross your fingers. I don't, not yet. Right. But yeah, for so many of these situations, where do you draw the line? I mean, you go to somebody's house and yeah. you see that they took their smoke alarms down. Do you, do you reprimand them for that? I mean, there's a good potential of dying in a fire without smoke alarms. Same thing with CO alarms to follow up on yeah. last week's podcast. I mean, if yeah. you see a, a carbon monoxide alarm where they took the batteries out, do you, do you admonish your friend for that? And then what if somebody dies later on? Are you going to feel bad about I mean, where do you draw the line? I don't know. I, if I were to go to the same house again, rewind time, I, I still don't know if I would say something about that vent. I, I really mm. don't know. You know, I would like to think that if I was, if I was the occupant of a house that had a potential life-threatening situation happening in it, that I would rather know about that and be offended than not know about it and die <laughs> or lose my house. Same here, you Jess. Know? So, yeah. but maybe that's not, you know, I can't say that. I can't speak for everyone. Well, let's put a wrap on it. I, I think that's something to chew on. At what point do you stop pointing out deficiency? Yeah. For a home inspector, not an easy line in the sand well, to draw. Well, Bill, do you got, you got any similar stories? No, I get punched on a regular basis. Stop looking, stop looking. So, um, <laughs> because I'm a, I'm a rough looker. Like I'm always staring at roughs. I don't, and I don't know why, but I am. And I notice, oh, there's some missing shingles over there or, there's a vent cap that's been blown off. Like my neighbor's vent cap was, it was that two piece that, you know, slides up and down. And the ones the squirrels always chewed up. That was the missing. Plumbing like, vent cap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was missing yeah. for yeah. years. And I mentioned it one time and then I decided, well, whatever they fixed it. <laughs> so somebody came along and put a, a vent on top of it, but now nah, it's just, I think it's better off. Leave the friendships in place and, and the home inspecting to some other professional that, they aren't uh, well acquainted with. There you yep. go. All right. Well, I think let's put a wrap on this one. We kind of went, uh, we went off the rails with the urinal thing, Ruben, but uh, we, we made it to the end. In- well, I'm glad we did. I thought it was a worthwhile discussion, Bill. Yes. So you're Life changing, obviously, for you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Quality All right. Life. Now you know where I stand. You do have to post a picture <laughs> of your <laughs> <laughs> you do have to post a picture of your ex latrine at uh at your last house all right so. we'll put that in the show notes all right <laughs> thank you everybody for listening you've been listening to structure talk a structure tech presentation my name is bill ulrich alongside tessa murray and ruben saltzman as always thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at StructureTech.com.